While everyone experiences pain in one way or another, how doctors treat their pain is not equal. This isn't just one story of one random woman who had a bad experience with a doctor. There are some sinister patterns of gender bias in the treatment of pain. This is something that writer Maya Dusenberry has been researching. Maya is hard at work at a book called Doing Harm, the truth about how bad medicine and lazy science leave women dismissed, misdiagnosed, and sick. It's due out this spring. Hi, I'm Maya Dusenberry. I'm an editor at Feministing, and I'm writing a book about gender bias in the U.S. medical system. Tell me a little bit about your book, Maya. I know I've read some about it, but what's the, what's the elevator pitch? So my book is called Doing Harm, um, and it's about how women's health has been um, neglected in the U.S. medical system. Um, and it's sort of looking at two dynamics, uh, one that I'm calling the knowledge gap and one that I'm calling the trust gap. Um, and so the knowledge gap is kind of covering uh, the way that women's health, um, you know, conditions that disproportionately affect us and also sort of um, sex and gender-based differences in symptoms or drug responses or risk factors for the same disease um, have kind of been ignored. And the result is that we just don't know as much about women's health compared to men's health. Um, and I'm looking at how that's sort of mutually reinforcing, reinforced with this trust gap um, where, um, as in many realms, women's voices um, are not taken as seriously. Their uh, reports of their own reality is often questioned and um, they're kind of not tr treated as reliable reporters of their symptoms. And so does this book look at cisgender women, transgender women, all women? What's the definition of women here? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, um, it is looking at both sex and gender bias. So <laughs> sort of covering um, cisgender women uh, when it comes to um, you know, the, the lack of kind of research on, on female assigned bodies, um, but then also on the sort of uh, doctor-provider relationship level. I'm also looking at kind of gender stereotypes that, uh, that affect, um, you know, all women, cis, trans, um, anybody who... Uh, is, is read as female. Let's talk about heart attacks. This is something that you reported on for the magazine uh, Pacific Standard. And for me, it was a real wake-up call reading your article about this that, that is part of this book that you're writing. Tell me about heart attacks and the way that gender bias plays into how we think about and treat heart attacks. Yeah, the, the heart attack story was a real wake-up call to me as well. Um, the problem has sort of been that heart disease has been stereotyped as a sort of man's disease. And, and the reason for that is that um, men tend to develop it earlier than women do. Um, and so when we started becoming very concerned about people, um, rising rates of heart, heart disease, it was, you know, middle-aged men who were dying prematurely from heart attacks that we were very focused on. And so that kind of entrenched this idea that there was, that, that younger women, at least until menopause, just didn't, didn't get heart disease. Um, 
which is not true. I mean, it, it is true that they are at relatively less um, risk compared to men, but obviously, you know, they they do get it. Um, and in fact, it's the it's the number. I mean, it's the number one <laughs> killer of women in this country, and has been for a very long time. And since nineteen. 84, actually more women have died each year in absolute numbers um, from heart disease and cardiovascular diseases than men have. Um, and yet because of this stereotype, there's sort of this um, initial kind of tendency to um, not take women as seriously when they, um, you know, report chest pain or other symptoms. Um, and the other Part of it is that because of this stereotype, a lot of our research has been focused on um, men's heart disease, and um, and so what a lot of what we do know about it has been derived for, from studies, clinical studies, in which it's it's mostly men, um, and so one of the consequences of that is that women actually have a broader range of um, symptoms. Um, on average, you know, they, most people have chest pain, but women are more likely to have quote-unquote atypical symptoms um, that might not be recognized and are more likely to be missed. Um, but even when uh, a man and a woman both are reporting, you know, the very classic symptoms of a heart attack of chest pain, um, there's lots of research that shows that women are taken less seriously. You know, it takes longer for them to um, get the testing and diagnosing testing and interventions that could be um, life-saving. Um, you know, we have this stereotype that men are expected to be um, really stoic in the face of pain, you know, keep the, the stuff, stiff upper lip, uh, while women are, quote-unquote, kind of permitted to express their pain more. Um, and, of course, I think that's very true, that there that there are those really, um, in some cases, very strong cultural masculinity norms that, that put that pressure on men. But um, it kind of leads to this interesting thing where somehow women are being judged against <laughs> men. And, and so the fact that men are assumed to be sort of under-reporting their pain means that women are automatically like over-reporting it, which just, I mean, is not the reality at all. So in all your research, what kind of gender biases have you seen in the medical establishment that around gender and pain? As in a lot of places, I think that one of the fascinating and really infuriating things is that women seem to lose kind of no matter wh which way they go. So because there's this stereotype that women are hysterical or you know have this emotional response to pain, if they play into that stereotype um, and are, you know, very emotional or crying, you know, and, and really expressing their pain, then they'll be seen as just, oh, that, you know, that's a typical, typical hysterical woman um, and, and maybe not be taken as seriously. Um, on the other hand, though, uh, if they go, try to go the opposite route um, and be really stoic, um, and maybe even under-report their pain. And this is, women ha have told stories of chronic pain patients who have, have do done this, who have admitted that they actually won't admit how much pain they're in because 
specifically because they don't want to play into that stereotype of the hysterical women. Um, but of course, then if you're underreporting your pain, that's also not a very good <laughs> strategy if the goal is to get your pain taken seriously. And it seems like this is such a widespread phenomenon that there must be people studying it. What kind of research or studies have you read on this that um, either blew your mind or made you really think about the gender dynamics of pain in a new and different way? Yeah, well, there's a really um, kind of classic article called The Girl Who Cried Pain, and they'd started looking at them in pain and had concluded that in general, women tend to be um, more sensitive to pain or less able to tolerate tolerate it, or at least are more likely to report it. Um, and so they pointed out that, you know, given that difference, if there were any differences when it comes to pain treatment in the real world between men and women, you would think that at the very least women wouldn't receive less treatment than their male counterparts. But in fact, the opposite was true. The, they looked at various studies that had come out and overall the data showed that women who seek help are less likely than men to be taken seriously. And when they report pain, um, they're less likely to have their pain adequately treated. What's, what's your personal experience with this? What in your life is prompting you to do this research and write this book? Uh, yeah, well, I've um, written about women's health for a long time, um, mostly about uh, reproductive health and have worked on that for a long time. And I, I think part of my motivation for writing this book was just that I, I realized that I had sort of not given much thought to to how gender bias affected the rest of medicine. Um, and in part, I think that was just because I had been a uh, really pretty healthy person for, for 27 years and, and had mostly been interacting with the medical system um, when it came to, you know, routine reproductive health care, which obviously is vitally important and um, should be a huge focus. But uh, a few years ago, I developed rheumatoid arthritis and... So that kind of started me down this path of learning more about autoimmune diseases and learning more about other um, conditions that are disproportionately affect women that um, have been neglected. And having that personal experience has, has made me even more just sort of amazed by the strength of people who actually do live with chronic pain all the time, um, which I think that it's hard for people to imagine that because um, it is a really sort of unimaginable thing. And it's really amazing that, that people do it and that, um, you know, we, we have really neglected those people who are doing it. Um, well, Maya, do you see any, any hope for the future here? Do you see anything changing in the medical establishment as more people like you are talking about this? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there's actually on the, chronic pain front, um, there was a really big report uh, a few years ago in 2011 by the Institutes of Medicine, so, you know, very prestigious. Um, that was a really pretty stark indictment of, of the medical system's treatment of pain. You know, they really concluded that, you know, we have 100 million people in this country who have are living with chronic pain, and treatment is, is really poor. There's not a lot of education in medical education about how to treat pain but I think that you know that was 
a sort of wake-up call. That was writer and editor Maya Dusenberry. Her book, Doing Harm, comes out this spring from Harper One. Keep your eyes peeled. Thank you.